Hello, and welcome to the Heart of Equity podcast from the Heartland chapter of the National Association of Health Services Executives, also known as NASI. I'm your host, Pleasant Bradford Jr. I am a health equity professional, a healthcare leader, and a member of the NASI Heartland chapter. Joining me today to discuss the history and current realities of Black social work is Desira Galloway. This is a critical piece of our healthcare system because social services often fill in healthcare gaps. Desira Galloway is a licensed social worker and the co founder and CEO of Wellspring Second Chance Center, a nonprofit which offers resources and programming services to help improve the lives of ex offenders. Before we get started, we'd like to thank Care Content, our partner for producing this podcast. Care Content is a full-service digital marketing agency that helps healthcare organizations create a web presence that reaches their audiences. If your health system needs help with digital marketing, website redesigns, or social media, please visit carecontent.com. Now, let's get into part one of our discussion with Desira Galloway and dig into what it really means to be a Black social worker today. Desira, welcome to the Heart of Equity podcast. It's so great to have you on here. Thank you for having me. I know the audience is eager to hear more about this topic, and I'm eager to learn more. First, you've stated publicly many times that the inspiration to co-found the Wellspring Second Chance Center with your husband came in a dream from God. Can you talk about that dream and how you personally connect with your participants? So, yes. So I was an investigator for child protection for approximately 24 years. During that time, my husband and I both worked in the field of human services, worked with families and children. Of course, in child protection, you work for family stability. It was during that period of time that I noted gaps in services. You know, our people were coming in to child protection and systems, period, at a rate that should not have been occurring. I started seeing family, friends, cohorts, associates entering into systems. When I say systems, jail, you know, with the police, um, with child protection and chemical dependency, which I have experienced across all four. But then when I started seeing professionals, people that I knew that were getting caught up in the system, it tugged on my heartstrings and they would call me like, Des, I need your help. And I, my husband and I were in a deep discussion one day about this very thing. And when we got done, I, we went to sleep, but I didn't stay asleep. I woke up and God dropped it in my spirit to start my own agency to address the gaps in services, right? Culturally relevant, culturally sensitive, culturally responsive services. Don't just put us down as 25-year-old African-American woman with five children, how they were, you know, how they were doing this. Instead of doing invisible screening, when you don't identify the age, you don't identify the race, you don't identify the ethnicity. And so I it was at that point that I got up in my out of my bed. It had to be like two o'clock in the morning, and I wrote the first six pages of my agency that I wanted to open. And then the next day, my husband woke up and was like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm I'm going to start my own agency. Went to work the next day and I told my cohorts 
we were at the Minneapolis Police Department when we were doing overnights. And I told them, I said, I'm going to start my own agency. And all of them said, Des, can I come work for you? Because they know who I am. And when I say I'm going to do something, I really am going to do it. And so it came out of that, that God gave me this dream, Wellspring. What do you find in a well? You find love, peace, understanding, faith, a second chance, grace. I created that and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. Being a woman of color, being a woman that has suffered at the hands of another violently, you know, with domestic violence, um, having to do it on my own, you know, pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I just felt the need that I don't want to be judgmental. I want to reduce the barriers, remove the barriers for people to access services without judgment. And so when I wrote that <laughs> at first six pages, I then contacted my cousin, who's an attorney, Jerry Blackwell, and he called in a couple of people and said, hey, I need you guys to help her put this agency together. I wrote it up and they put it together and filed it at the state of Minnesota. And here we are. Since then, I have helped family, friends, cohorts, people that walk off the street. And it is, I think, a marrying of passion and just a desire to see our people do better. And when you've been out there and you've watched, and I've seen a lot of things as an investigator, I've investigated police, doctors, doesn't matter. Everybody has a propensity to do something, you know, to a child, whether they intend it or not, right? And so I just thought it was necessary to do what I did. And here we are 12 years later, and we're still rolling you know, with our with our community, they know who I am and I know who they are. And they will come to that door and say, Des, Mrs. Galloway, I need help with this. If I can't help you, I will certainly do my research to help you find the persons that can help you. That is just my model. Passion and purpose marrying together. I'm here in the power to serve. I'm a servant. I think it's my passion. And I think it's my purpose to do what I'm doing. What an inspirational story. I love that. Well, I want to continue and, and really explore the field of social work. And I know for many Black people, when we think about social work, we conjure up images of white women, white women <laughs> like Jane Addams, um, a pioneer in the field of social work. And for those who don't know who Jane Addams was, she famously created the Whole House, a settlement house in Chicago. Yes. However, few may know that the Black settlement house movement occurred simultaneously. And so could you talk about some of the Black pioneers in social work who inspire you and why? Well, I know that I stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, right? And there are many, but the few that I remember that I learned about and that I read about and said that I want to be and aspire to be like were Ida B. Wells. She is one that was born before the emancipation, right? Um, but she was a bridge of hope. The bridge of recovery is something that our community often has difficulty finding. And so when you think about the bridge of hope that Ida B. Wells created and paved the way for the African-Americans to be free, you know what I mean? In the South, she fought for the injustices that was going on that even went beyond when the court said not to do a certain thing, they still continued to do it in the South. The North people did, right? The people down South did not. 
And you have people like Ida B. Wells that forged the path to keep that from happening. She challenged the status quo. I'm not going to sit in the color people section of the train, right? <laughs> I think I pay for a first class seat. I should be able to sit in the first class seat. That's my girl. I mean, I, you can't, what can you say about her? You know, she was a leader and um, she demonstrated that even when it was not okay, when it wasn't fancy or wasn't the, the, the thing to do, you know, people get into things now to do it because of the glamour. This is not a glamorous walk. This is not a glamorous journey. When you become a leader and a pillar of the community, people depend on you. So I, that's what I got from Ida B. Wells. And also um, the other one would be Mary Churchill. She was a prominent advocate in the African-American community. I could only hope to be just like those two ladies, Ida B. Wells and Mary Churchill, you know, always pushing the legis for legislative change, um, always leading organizations. You don't wait for someone to assign you to be a leader. Leadership is within you. I think that we need to start looking at each other as, as a partner in guiding our organizations, as guiding our communities into health and equity, into social work equity, into fields where the blanket has been pulled off since George Floyd. It's really showing where the inequities lie. You know, and I don't have a problem pointing that out because it's not helping the community as a whole. And so if I took nothing else from Heidi B. Wells and uh, Mary Churchill, it's those, those characteristics and those traits and those things that they were willing to sacrifice for the larger good of the community. Thank you so much for uplifting our sheroes and yes. Ida B. Wells and, and Mary Churchill. Yes. One of the most critical ways you can help promote health equity is to make sure your health system is doing business with Black-owned companies. This creates career opportunities, builds generational wealth, and allows us to control our own resources. For our Buy Black Vendor Spotlight, we'd like to highlight Uzobi in Minneapolis. Uzobi is a health technology company that specializes in providing healthcare decision-making tools to patients through their providers, insurers, and hospital systems. For more information, please go to uzobiinc.com. That's U-Z-O-B-I-I-N-C.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion. I, I want to talk now about the National Association of Social Workers. It's a professional organization for social workers. It was founded in 1955, so many, many years ago. There's a code of ethics, yeah. and in that code of ethics, the social workers call out, quote, challenging social injustices and addressing social problems. Is the organization finally reckoning with this racist past and practices? I think that they are. They're trying. Um, with the help of the Minnesota Association of Black Social Workers, which I am a member of, I think they are trying. We are holding their feet to the fire. We are asking for change to occur. We're, you know, we're looking at it as from a wellness warrior standpoint. This is something that's not going to happen overnight. It will take time, um, but it really does need to be addressed. When we think about 
racist policies and racist things that have been that have established a pathway to problems for people of color, BIPOC people, you know, um, you have to address that. If you want our communities to heal, you have to address that. But when you have issues where you have people that have degrees that cannot pass your test, these standardized tests that say that you can be licensed to practice in the field of social work, when they cannot pass it, there's something wrong when you are talking about alarming numbers of individuals, persons of color that cannot pass these tests, then you have to reckon with that. You have to address that. You have to assess that. You have to look at that. You have to be willing to look past what has been the, the norm and create a new normal. The new normal involves us. We can best serve our people. And if you're telling me that I can't do it because I don't have a license, that's a problem. I'm blessed to have a license, but I know many that do not have the licensure and that keeps them from being able to provide certain services. As the Black Minnesota Association of Black Social Workers continues to work with the National Association of Social Workers to address these issues, I think that we will come to a place where we then can say we've dealt with race in the way that should have been addressed years ago. The covers have been pulled back. You now see the inequities, let's address them. Absolutely, absolutely. And I am cheering on the side to make sure that you guys continue with that progress. Well, social work is a broad term, and yes. it, there's so many interpretations of, of what that means and what it should look like. So what role should Black social workers play in the Black Lives Matter movement? I thought that was a very interesting question. <laughs> um, first of all, all lives matter. It's not just Black lives, but Black lives came out of inequities. When you don't acknowledge, when you have people in power, people that are running organizations, running policies, that creating policies that do not provide equal access, then that brought about Black Lives Matter. All lives matter, but when you don't acknowledge us, then we have to create another path, another passage to make sure that our needs are being addressed and met. And so everybody doesn't accept or everyone doesn't believe that all lives matter. So that's where the Black Lives Matter came out of, I do believe, right? And so because we have that, we have to create a level of awareness and support. That is the foundation of what social work is about, raising awareness and then supporting those when they're finding that they're in a place where they're not, we, we uplift them and hold them up and help them walk through the channels that they have to walk through. Life is a journey. And this journey, we sometimes falter and we sometimes fall. And we enter into systems that we don't know how to navigate. But that's where the Black Lives Matter movement is important. They know that now they're not alone. People can go through these systems and know that they're not alone, that somebody's gonna come and support me in this, in this journey. And when we have people entering in systems that come from other states within six months of coming into Minnesota, people walk and find themselves in child protection services. That should not be. And when, as an investigator, I would ask, are you, are you, where are you from? I would ask the question, 
They were in Milwaukee, Chicago, Illinois, Indiana. And I said, how long you been here? Less than six months. That was a telling. I just started doing my own internal survey. Like there's something wrong here, you know, for you to leave a state and come to Minnesota and end up in child protection or end up in, uh, in the police car for whatever reason. Um, and so when you enter in systems, they're easy to get in, hard to get out. And I think the roles of social workers, we need to continue to raise awareness and support people in their journeys when they are founding themselves involved in systems, right? Systems that don't always recognize or humanize who we are, that may not be culturally sensitive, I think it's important for us not only to walk alongside them, but raise the consciousness and do it with compassion. We don't have to point the finger, but we can certainly let them know this right here, you might not want to do anymore. That's why I like that new, new um, idea of invisible screening, where you don't break, identify the person's race. You don't identify the person's age. Let's just deal with the facts. What happened to the children? Without you knowing that they're from the 55411 or the 55412 or the 55407 or the 55408. Biases come in. You may not recognize it, but they do apply. These are kind of things that when you continue to raise awareness on and you force people to address, that's what social work means to me. Dealing with the microaggressions, dealing with the complexities of uh, race and and implicit biases and all the different things that happen, we impede the ability for the community and for our people to heal. To re-traumatize a family who's already being traumatized is not good. It's already difficult for us to enter in systems and then we have to be re-traumatized that way because you're not being culturally responsive or culturally sensitive. I think that's where Minnesota Black social workers and people that do social work in the community, community organizations such as mine as Wellspring, Second Chance Center can help. Um, I used to be on the other side of, of the courts, right? In child protection, I'm now on the opposite side doing what I did best is advocating for families to stay together, giving us a chance, humanize who we are. Don't look at us through the lens that, you know, we're just total bad people. No one wakes up in the morning and say that they're going to abuse their child. I don't think anyone intentionally does that. And no one is um, an exception to that rule, you know? And so when we are dealing with systems such as child protection, such as um, law enforcement, such as chemical dependency, we then get stamped, a rubber stamped, and then we can't do anything with our lives because we got a child protection history. We got a criminal history. We got this history. What are you doing? You're creating barriers for people of color. And then we have to find a way to transcend over those barriers and still make it. But we do see Ida B. Wells, people that have done it. We will continue to do the great work, the, the good work, as uh, John Lewis says, right? <laughs> I will never forget him. We're doing the good work. This is important work that we're doing. Social work is needed. When we dissect what do we do, we're in the helping profession. We're not enabling, but we will help you navigate and get through whatever the crisis is 
in whatever the journey has put before you. Create a pathway of success and not failure. That is what social work is about to me. Uh, we want to continue to step up like Black Lives Matters did. I hope they will continue doing the good work in the community along with the Black social workers. You know, the social work field needs us. They need us to be ready. They need us to be committed. They need us to be understanding and they need us not to be judgmental. I'm not in it for the money. I don't have this agency for the money. I made better money at the county, <laughs> right? So it's not about the money for me, but it is about passion and it is about purpose, marrying together and creating a thriving community that I live in. If my community is good, then I'm good. This is about us. It's not about them. This is about us. And until we get to that place of being, it's about us, we're not going to make needed change that has to happen in our communities. Stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Desiree Galloway for more of her thoughts on social work. If you're a healthcare executive in Minnesota, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, or Missouri who cares about health equity for people of color, please consider joining the National Association of Health Services Executives Heartland Chapter at nasiheartland.org. That is N-A-H-S-E heartland.org. For more episodes of the Heart of Equity podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. Thank you for listening.